I've been with the campus today. Yeah. I know that we've lost a few campus students because, of course, they're there serving in the single service, amen? Yeah. Because, of course, the, the, the campus students then produce the singles, the singles camp, well, simples yeah. ministry, amen? Yeah. Technically, of course, we're, we're, we're students for life, right? Because the term disciple, right, means pupil. Yeah. It also means students, yeah. which means you're learning on a daily basis called your quiet times. Yeah. And so, of course, uh, as we're about to worship God, as we're about to preach the word, I'd like to encourage you guys to actually fill in the space at the front. This is we're going Jesus style right here. So anybody who's outside, let's sit in the front right here. Let's sit in the front right here, but very low because the camera, amen? And then the sermon can start from a certain uh, part, amen? So we can get everyone settled in right here. Going on Jesus style right here. But the title of the sermon today is Never Quit. Never Quit. Never Quit. Not sometimes quit. No. Not let me think about quitting. No. Let me debate whether I'm going to quit or not. No. No, it's never quit. Yes. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Hebrews chapter 12. Come on, bro. Never quit. I'm with the campus, amen? Amen. I'm with the campus, amen? Amen. We the salt to the earth. We the salt to the earth. We the salt to the earth. Salt to the earth. Salt to the earth. We the salt to the earth. Now, I hope you guys are with me in Hebrews chapter 12. You guys were clearly turning your Bibles in that time. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. Yeah. Never quit. Yes. It says this in verse 11. It says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Let me say that again. No discipline seems pleasant at that time. At the time. So the time you get it, it's not pleasant. And it's a lot of discipline. When you get discipline, it's not pleasant. When you get discipline through patience. When is this all going to end? For the clock watchers out there, what time is service going to end? When is service going to end? When can my exams come to an end? When can my procrastination just come to an end? Again, discipline may be patience for you. When is the campus ministry going to take off? Patience. When are we going to get a campus ministry who believes they're winners, not quitters? Come on, bro. Preach. That they have their own convictions. That they don't write off their disciples' convictions. They don't write off the person studying the Bible with them's convictions. They don't write off the church's convictions. Each and every single disciple in the campus ministry has their own convictions. Where they can stand up to, in the face of persecution. Yeah. I'll tell you this story. So even for me, when I was a baby disciple, I'm five years as a disciple, amen? Yeah. I remember when I was three, well, three months as a disciple, my sister persecuted me. Come on. Yeah. But then James 1 says, let perseverance 
finish this work so that you may be mature and complete. So if you don't have perseverance, finish this work. You may be, you may be immature today. You may be immature in your faith today. And of course, we understand from the scriptures, perseverance equals character. So whether you, when you don't persevere, you've got no character. You got no, it's like an Easter egg. Full of promise, no substance. No, no, it's very hollow. Looks promising, but just is hollow. Empty. When are we going to get a ministry that believes they're winners or qu- rather than quitters? That we have our own convictions. Because as a result of me standing firm to my convictions, not because the guys who taught me the Bible's conviction, no, no, no. My co- personal convictions. My sister's now a sold-out disciple of the London International Christian Church. Discipline may be, you know, your discipline. Just to be disciplined. That sounds like the campus ministry, amen? amen. You clearly don't ignore your, you know, your, you know, you don't exercise the, uh, the, 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 the habit of uh, snooze alarms right there. Uh, clearly, clearly. That's not the campus ministry right there. But it says no discipline seems present at the time. At the time. So what about disciplining thoughts? How do I discipline my thoughts to think more godly? Discipleship. When are we going to learn the lesson not to quit? Heard it a million times. Heard this lesson a million times. Heard the same scripture a million times. Heard this detail a million times. Heard the same thing from my disciple or from discipleship or from the lessons of my life a million times. When are we going to lesson to lo- when are we going to learn the lesson to not quit? Yeah. Because we heard it a million times, we're just not doing it. Yeah. Again, no discipline sees present at the time. Failure. Failure may be your discipline. Wow. Why do I keep failing? Wow. You know, it's only a failure if you quit. You're only a failure if you quit. God can work with a failure. He just can't work with a quitter. Preach, bro. Satan can, though. Satan can work with a quitter. Satan would love you to join his ministry. And don't think quitting isn't just leaving the kingdom. You can quit in the kingdom. You can quit in the church. The scripture says no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, there is a hope right there. Amen, there's a hope, because hope just got baptized last week, amen. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And the campus say, amen. This scripture flat out cranks. The scripture teaches you that no discipline seems pleasant at the time. So we shouldn't expect it to be pleasant. We live in a pleasant world in the 21st century. Everything's got to be pleasant. This church has to suit my needs, not me suiting to what the Bible says. This relationship has to suit my needs. You have to give me unconditional love on my condition of you giving me unconditional love. Yeah, I have the right to be jealous. And you know what that's called in the world? That's just called possession. That you can't trust God's plan, that he has the right person saved for you. Uh, Only when, when God is the center of our worship, then God knows whether you need a wife or husband or not. Because remember, the campus produced the singles ministry, right? So I know it's, it's appeared in some people's hearts that they, they you know, it's a, it's a date and whatnot. But when God is the focus, because remember, remember, everything that God gives us or doesn't give us is necessary for us to go to heaven. Yeah. So whether you're a baron in that department, 
Then God knows that's necessary for you to go to heaven. You know, it said in the UK, people check their phones every 12 minutes. In contrast to just 10 years ago, most people now say they need and expect a constant internet connection wherever they go. With 64% of adults describing it as a central part of their life. And this is according to a survey done in 2018. How much more so today? This is 12 minutes, 2018, how much more so today? This generation loves discipline to be peasant. Pleasant. Some call discipline abuse. When the Bible says in Proverbs, you've got to not withhold the rod from your child so then they return to the Lord when they're older. Because then they get the fear of God instilled into their hearts. That word. You know, we live in a time where people live by victimhood mentality. You don't know how bad I've had it. You don't know how bad I've had it. And we'll get into a, bit, a little bit more later, but the, we know the scripture says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the Bible says that everybody faces the same amount, same amount of trials, just yes. different intensities so that you go to heaven. Yeah. Some be more intense than other people so that because they know that if you're not busy with what God's given you, you would be given into impurity. Yeah. You'd be given into good debauchery. Yeah. You'd be given into sexual morality. Yeah. If you didn't have the kingdom of God, if you didn't have the Bible to tell you what's wrong and what's right, then we wouldn't even get to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. But the scripture says it produces a harvest. It says later it produces a harvest. So you may not see the purpose of discipline right now. You may not see it. You may not see it. But it says later it will produce. It's a guarantee. Just never quit. It will produce a harvest of righteousness. Because even, you know, I love what, of course, the spirit, it talks about planting seeds. Right? And so what's powerful is that in the Old Testament, you know, we we preached last week staying hungry. And so what's powerful is that when farmers would plant their seeds, they'd have to pray for the rainy days. So that they get food to eat. But us in the UK, oh, it's raining. Oh, it's raining. Oh, it's great. They have something called, they're sad. SAD, seasonal affection disorder. They're affected by the weather. I'm sad. Man, the weather's miserable. I must be sad too. But the scripture says that we need rain. We need rain. We need those rainy days. We need it. We need it. In the darkest days, the light shines brightest. It produces a harvest of righteousness for those who've been trained by it. Discipline from God either makes you better or bitter. Discipline by God. It's not just like from God. It's by God himself. As a loving father. So we can't misunderstand what a father figure should be. Come on, bro. Preach. They can't just be all love. But no truth. Come on, bro. Discipline by God either makes us better or bitter. How do we know this? Verse 14. It says... Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. So there shouldn't be, there should be a lot of Matthew 18s between people to be sorted. It says, make every effort to live at peace with everyone. And to be holy. Holy means to be set apart. Do your best to be set apart from the world. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile just yourself no no, no. 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 to defile many yeah. 
Because what is that? Because we're not evangelizing bitterness. Because it says bitterness defiles many. So when you're bitter, it affects other people. That's true. Exactly. We're evangelizing bitterness rather than the gospel. Wow. It says it causes trouble to defile many, and states bitterness, not sexual morality. Because we yes we know sexual morality is a sin, but it doesn't affect everyone. But bitterness does. Ooh, preach, preach the word. What's bitterness? It's anger towards God. It's frozen anger. Buried deep. Injuries that you buried deep in your heart because you don't like how God has trained you. Preach, Preach. You know, our first discipling time with God is our lives. Most don't believe that their life is a, is a discipling time because they don't believe in the sovereignty of God. Wow. That's crazy. When we don't believe in the sovereignty of God, you'll get bitter at God when he trains you. God, why me? Why now? Why do I have this, 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 this circumstance, this condition? Preach, bro. God. Why? Why is he Because so that you won't quit. Preach. To never throw in the towel. Yep. If I had the perfect family growing up, uh, I would have not been a disciple today. Amen, you know, I grew up with my mom and my dad sleeping in separate beds. My mom slept in mine and my sister's room. My dad slept in his own room. So I grew up, growing up with parents that never said I love you to each other. Never, being, like, never, never showing any intimacy. So I got my standard of love from movies and pornography. And that affected every relationship. And I felt that that made me be bitter towards my father on, for not raising me as a man. On, now, I love him to bits because, amen, but to become a disciple, you've got to forgive. Yeah. Trust issues are forgiveness issues. Yeah. If you have a trusted, people say yeah, there's trust issues. Show me trust issues in the Bible. Yeah. It says forgiveness issues. On, you have an issue with something you haven't healed from in the past, and so you're just replacing the person no matter who they are. Woo! Forgiveness. Wow. That's why I love Jesus. Matthew 18 says, if you don't forgive, God won't show mercy to you. Preach, bro. Because being in touch with the forgiveness that God has given you makes you want to forgive. Because knowing and being in touch with how much God has forgiven you. We don't deserve to go to heaven. We don't even deserve to go to campus and to study the Bible with people. We don't. Out of, the, out of gratitude, we study the Bible with people. Out of gratitude, we forgive people. Out of gratitude, we serve people. The campus ministry has got to be the most serving ministry in the whole church. Has got to be the most hard-working ministry in the church. Never throw in the towel. You know, we live in a culture of quitters. The, the dream is too tough. Evangelizing the world is too much. No, I can't give up. I can't give up my comfortability in the first world. I don't want to go back to my home country and save my people. Though, despite the fact that God determined that I had a certain passport. However, if God has determined you here, you gotta blossom here. Because what you do here is what you'll do there. God gathers, God scatters. The church is too direct. People want a discount on Christianity. You know, I, I, I want to, you know, I want to be able to, you know, okay, go to church on Sunday, but then go drinking on a Friday. Preach the word, bro. I want to come to church for a girl and not for God. So I look spiritual. So I can impress the woman. Because I'm trying to look for a godly woman. Because they're godly women are built different. But I mean, disciples, disciples, sisters are built different. Sisters, sisters in the kingdom are strong, right? 
This is the kingdom are secure, right? Yeah. Because they know their father in heaven has already given them approval, amen? Yeah. We live in a time where people want to sail on their faith. Oh. When people want, because people love discounts. People love discounts. How much more so for Christianity? God is training us with discipline so that we never quit. How do we know? Verse 11 again. No discipline. Seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace by those who've been trained by it. It produces. It produces. So discipline always produces something. Yeah. It says it produces a harvestness of righteousness. Yes. It produces a harvest. It should produce a harvest of righteousness. Yeah. But discipline can still produce. Yeah. That means if you've gone through discipline, what has discipline produced in you? Oh, that's good, bro. That's if it's not produced righteousness in your heart, righteousness in your relationships, peace in your heart, peace in your mind, that's you've not been trained by God. Come on, preach! God is still training you not to quit. Because you know when someone's been trained? There's righteousness that comes out. We'll see it in the campus ministry. We'll be a prayerful ministry. A worshipful ministry. A fruitful ministry. A righteous ministry. A pure ministry. A disciplined ministry. An example ministry. A ministry that loves God. That a campus ministry. Young people can love God. When we get disciplined by God, it's because he loves you. The scripture says God disciplines the one he loves. If he doesn't discipline you, it means he doesn't love you. But he does. He disciplines everyone. When we don't love God and we don't love the word of God, we think God hates us. Yeah, that's true. But a lot of discipline comes from God because he loves you. Yeah, that's true. Like, okay, amen, God. This is a very strange way of telling me that you love me. Wow. Yeah. But amen, I'll take it. Yeah. It says discipline will produce righteousness and peace. Yeah. You'll be at peace. Yeah. Righteousness doesn't mean you're always right. Nope. Yes. That's not what it means. At all. What it means, it means to be in a right relationship with God. Come on, bro. Preach. Being always right is called self-righteousness. Yes. And we can get discipled on that by God. But when we are righteous, we are right before God. We are in a right relationship with Him. You confess whatever it is that hurt you. That messed you up. That separated you from God. Then you accept God's plan of repentance. You can't just confess, oh, how how bad I had. Are you going to change? Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. You can't just confess, oh, I've had it so bad. Okay, now change. (laughs) The Bible says repentance is refreshing. It's refreshing. Mm -hmm. When you you accept God's plan of uh, repentance, you're in the right relationship with him. When you've been disciplined by God and you accept it, then there's a harvest of righteousness. There's a harvest. It produces a lot. Not just one. I harvest. People feel the change. People see you change. Because how do you know how you're really doing it? If you've really gone to someone and said, bro, you've grown. Sis, you've grown. If someone hasn't said that, amen. Because I believe it says it in 1 Timothy chapter 4. This is the word of God, amen. Amen. Just never quit. Don't quit me right now. 
First Timothy 4. Yeah, there you go. Verse 15. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Yeah. Not just your disciple. No. No, everyone. Yeah. So if someone hasn't said, bro, you've grown. Sis, you've grown. If you haven't, if you're stuck in the same place, you're probably like that guy in John chapter 5, where Jesus said to him, get up. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? He was in the same place for 38 years. You do realize you grow more in the kingdom than you grow anywhere else. Anywhere else. You learn, you talk about stuff you never talk about with other people outside. You talk about deep, dark, hidden sin that's absolutely, absolutely you wouldn't tell your parents. That's why in the kingdom you grow faster. But in the world, people are like, oh, we're only close because of our sin. But in the kingdom, we're close to what? Because we confess our sin. Come on. Because we see how bad we are. But then the world, it says, how bad can we be? Can people see your progress? Even non-disciples. I bump into into guys I've seen so many times. Bro, you've grown. Bro, you're bigger. Bro, you're getting married. Bro. Bro, you're moving up. Bro, your suit game has changed. Bro, your preaching has changed. Wow, you've grown. Johnny has grown. Everyone's here, and he's preaching the word for the very first time at the singles ministry service. Johnny has grown, and people see it. Question is, how about you? Have you grown? Or have you grown weary? If you change, people will see the change. And if you're proud in one area, I'm sorry, you're proud in all areas. Because we, we, we live in a time where we can compartmentalize our sin. I'm only lazy when I sleep late. No, no, you're, you're a lazy person, period. I'm only impure when I'm not close to God. No, you're impure, period. Preach, bro. I only struggle with my giving. No, 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 you struggle, period. Preach, bro. I struggle prioritizing the kingdom of God as my family. No, you struggle seeking first the kingdom, period. Preach, bro. Because the Bible says in Luke 16, verse 10, how you deal with the small is how you deal with the large. Yeah. I spoke about this with a couple of the leaders earlier. And just, 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 just thinking about it. There's a reason why God, because God is king of all. So he establishes talents to people. So when people are like rich and so and so, it's because he knows they have the faith to handle that amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. And, we, we, and we wonder why the campus ministry is the most broke. Oh. Because what do we do with our money? What do we do with our money? What do we do with our money? And Satan knows how to take our money. He doesn't want it for the advancement of the kingdom. He wants it for the advancement of dominoes. He wants the advancement of takeaways. Convenience, Uber Eats. And then that's how we treat our relationship with God. I just want a convenient relationship with God. I just want a convenient relationship with God. Where my faith is fed to me. I don't get my, I don't get my own faith. I don't cook my own food. As disciples, we get a lot of training by God. Why? He's training us to never quit. 
You know, I want to introduce a culture in the campus ministry. A mindset to never quit. A mindset to never run from pressure, but run towards the pressure. And not go through suffering, grow through suffering. A mindset where comfortability is found in uncomfortability. Where there is never such thing as a bad day. Just a character building day. Turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Never quit. Luke chapter 4. Let's take a look at a man who never quits. Verse 14. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Let me say that again. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And what did we just read last week? Jesus was fasting for 40 days full of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. So even when he finished his fast, he was still in the power of the Spirit. He experienced victory. But it was like, he didn't say, I'm going to stop depending on the Spirit. Just because you get a victory in life doesn't mean you stop depending on God. You don't put the, bless, you don't put the blessings above the blesser. He came back from a time of testing stronger than ever. He never quit. And to remain in the power of the Spirit, it takes a decision. He could have decided, oh, I'm full of the Spirit. I was led by the Spirit. I was, you know, I, I fasted for 40 days. Now I can just relax. Wow. So, no, no, no. I've got to continue in the power of the Spirit. Because the scripture, because of course our quote says this, he through the grace of God resists and overcomes temptation is always bettered by it. This is one who wonders of God's grace. Those, the very things which are designed for our utter ruin, he makes the instruments for our greatest good. Thus Satan is ever duped by his own proceeding and caught in his own craft. So when Satan's like, I'm gonna give you temptation, you're like, no, no, I'm still full of the spirit. He's like, you've grown stronger than ever. The Bible says resist Satan and he will flee. Mm. Question is, have you stopped resisting Satan? Mm. Because res- not resisting Satan shows that you've decided to quit. Wow. Wow. But Jesus never quit. No, Imagine. And at the end of the scripture we saw last week, it said the scripture says he was hungry at the end of his fast. Mm. Can't even imagine what Jesus would have felt during his fast. Mm. But that's because he was full of the spirit. Amen. He was so full of the spirit that wasn't, oh, I'm fasting today. No. Oh, I'm hungry today. Oh, is it six o'clock yet? No. Maybe the fast, the Bible says in Isaiah 58, you've got to have the right motives with the fast. So possibly what the fast is exposing is that you're not fasting properly. Because fasting is not about, it's not supposed to reveal what God is. It's supposed to, what's going to reveal it? What's going to ruin it? Revealing you. Because remember, the same boiling water that softens potatoes hardens eggs. It's not about your circumstances. It's about what you're made of. And Jesus was made, made never to quit. Amen. Because he made the decision to remain in the power of the Spirit. Yes. Let's continue reading. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news spread about him through the whole countryside. He was teaching in the synagogues and everyone praised him. So what we see here is that news about Jesus spread. Jesus, dare we say, went Viral. 
And this is the thing, he only just begun his ministry. Wow. But yet the whole countryside already heard about him. Exactly. Don't despise small beginnings. No. Yeah. I remember when campus ministry was just a Bible talk. Wow. I remember that too. When it was just online, Bible talk, during the quarantine. That, that was campus ministry. Now look at what it's produced. 28 sold out disciples in the campus ministry. News about Jesus spread. And this is the thing. It said it spread throughout the whole countryside of Galilee. And Galilee was a highly populated region. According to figures from the Jewish historian Josephus, there was around 3 million people populating Galilee. So when Jesus began his ministry, 3 million people already heard about Jesus. When he began his ministry, Though allowing some exaggeration for Josephus, it indicates that it covered a highly populated area. Mm. And how many people are in Birmingham? 1.2. So when Jesus began his ministry in the power of the Spirit, he already evangelized 3 million people. How much more so the Birmingham church? With 1.2 million people in Birmingham. How much more so with the same power of the Spirit can people hear about? the true gospel of Christ. It's the power of the spirit that got Jesus viral. And it's the same power of the spirit that will help us get to all nations. Amen. It's the same power of the spirit that will build the campus ministry. It's the power of the spirit that will help you overcome your insecurities. Yes. That will help you overcome your doubts. That will help you heal from your past. Mm. That your past doesn't represent you. God has given you a new identity. We see it throughout the scriptures. When he met Peter, he was called what? Simon. God said, no, no, no. You're not Simon. You're a rock. You are, Petra. you are Peter. I give you this name. Jesus has given you a new identity. Have you embraced your new identity in Christ? It's the power of the Spirit. And we have access to the same Holy Spirit. You know, there are 7,000 students in BCU. Wow. There are 17,000 students in Aston University. There are 30,000 students at Birmingham City University. And there are 35,000 students in the University of Birmingham. Add that all up, that's not even the whole population of Birmingham. Yet Jesus, with the power of the Spirit, everybody heard about him at the beginning of his ministry. With the power of the Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to make us be heard in Birmingham. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. We just got to get loud. Jesus was loud. Jesus was loud in temptation. He knew scripture. He was like, Satan, you're trying to use Psalm Psalm 91 on me? No, no, I got Deuteronomy. Get behind me, me, Satan. I'm using these scriptures. How about you? Are you using scriptures? Have you used the the word of God to, to, to equip you this week? It's time to go viral on the campuses. It's time to go viral on social media. Jesus fasted 40 days prior, yet still was full of the Spirit. It starts by never giving up. The concept of him not giving up in the fourth note, the concept of him being successful and and going viral was because he decided to depend on the Spirit and never quit. Verse 16. He went up to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. So where did Jesus go first? He went to Nazareth. 
the place where he was brought up. Where people knew him as Jesus the carpenter. Just saw him working hard. Jesus, people knew about Jesus in his hometown. Oh wait, this guy, he's been a carpenter, he's coming to the synagogue? It was his custom, so people knew that he was gonna come. But the question is, people knew about, I mean, thing, thing is, people know about Jesus. But do people know about you? Do people know about you on campus? What is your reputation amongst people? Do people know your convictions? Like, oh, they're, they're, there's that group that are sold out. They got their, they're not ashamed to read their Bibles. They're not ashamed to pray in public. They're not ashamed. These students, what, what is this? We've never seen anything like this before. Students unashamed of their faith. Because we live in a time where people like, they can't read the Bibles on the train because they're so ashamed. I'm so inspired by the London Campus Ministry. This past Friday for Campus Ministry, they went onto the tube and preached the word. That let people know about their convictions. How much more so us on the NX buses? How much so will we preach the word on these buses? How much more so are we afraid of people? Because it's the power of the spirit, right? It's the power of the spirit. It shows because that's how you know you're a true Christian. Because people want to be Christian at church. Mm. I'm loud. Yeah, glory, glory. On, on, on the bus. Let me, just, let, me just read my, let me just read my phone Bible. Let me not have a physical Bible. Because I can afford buying, buying like investing in other things rather than a Bible. Do people know about your convictions? Do people know? Do, does your family know about your convictions? I let my family know what my convictions are. I let my family know. I let my family know. I, when, when I went through persecution with my, with my family, my, when my sister became a disciple, I got physically abused by my family. But they still know my convictions. When they, when they were beating me, I still prayed. It reminds me of the time where, you know, where Paul got beaten up and then he still ran back to where he got beaten up. Sold out. How much more so you? Have we filtered down our convictions? Do we remember what we said Jesus is Lord too? Yeah. Jesus is the Lord of my finances. Jesus is the Lord of who I date and marry. Yeah. Jesus is Lord of my life. Yeah. Jesus is Lord of my job. Yeah. Jesus is Lord of my degree. Yeah. Jesus is Lord of my degree. Yeah. No, Jesus is Lord of my degree. Yeah. And the Bible says we serve a God of excellence. Mark 7 verse 37 says Jesus did everything well. Yeah. So Jesus probably would have cranked as a campus student. Yeah. How much more so you? Is Jesus still your Lord? Yes. Is Jesus the Lord of your diet? Yes. The Bible says physical training has some value. But godliness has all value. Yes. Yeah, you can look great. But are you spiritual? Do you know scripture? Have you memorized scripture? It's the only thing worth memorizing. It's the only thing worth memorizing. That's the, because this, because you could, look, this is the thing. The scriptures basically state that no one will remember you in Ecclesiastes chapter one. No one remembers anybody in a hundred, like who was, who was alive a hundred years ago. Barely, barely. And this is the thing. What makes us think that we're going to be remembered? We want to, sometimes we want to leave a legacy. I want to be known as the best footballer or the best at whatever, or engineer. You feel, you feel the best, whatever, whatever. But the scriptures, but the only one worth being remembered by is God, yeah. Yeah. where your name is written in the book of life. Because the Bible says if, you're not, if you don't end up, if your name's not written in the book of life, God decides to forget you. Wow. He says, I never knew you. That's impossible for God, because God knows everyone. 
So he's like, I'm going to choose to forget you because you chose to forget me in your lifetime. Do your family know about your convictions? Does the campus know about your convictions? Even in the campus ministry, does the campus know about your personal convictions? Not about someone else's convictions. Not about your leader's convictions. Not about the church's convictions. Your personal convictions. If it was just you to evangelize the world, would you do it? Do you believe in Matthew 28? Do you believe you can actually evangelize all nations on your faith alone? On your faith alone. Your faith. Your faith. For the length of you being a disciple, how many people would have been evangelized? How many people would have been saved by now? How many people would have been saved in the length of you being a disciple? Jesus was a disciple. Well, Jesus was on earth. His ministry was only for three years. He got 120 people faithful. Wow. But then to people like, that's not a very big church because people are all about numbers these days. Mm. Jesus only baptized 120 people. Wow. Yeah, but those 120 got to 3,000. And 3,000, no, 3,120, then 5,000, then to the ends of the earth. Mm. Because he made sure that every single member was completely sold out to the dream. Wow. Yes. That every single person could lead. Every wow. single person. But what about your convictions? What about your convictions? We got to get to a point, the campus ministry have to get to a point, I want to inspire you guys to get to a point where you can flat out preach your quiet time. And you're unashamed. You're unashamed. That's only if you have quiet times. Because it's called sharing your faith. Where does faith come from? The Bible. What faith is there to share? Exactly. When you don't have a quiet time. No, no, no. Not just reading verse of the day. Because that's someone else picking a verse for you to read. You don't actually feed yourself with the word. Right. Because according to scripture, that's like still being fed spiritually, but like, hey, oh, oh, oh. No, feed yourself with the word. Feed yourself with the word. How well do you know your Bible? How well do you know it? That's why it's totally of God that we're doing the first principles. So we can build on the foundation. The scripture says, add to your faith. Add to your faith. Make every effort to add to your faith. I want to inspire you guys. Having a quiet time is revolutionary. Having a quiet time is radical. Because radical is not, in, is not intense. It's consistent. When you have quiet times every single day, I assure you, you will change. You'll be different by the end of next week. Because you have life-changing, game-changing, quiet times with the Lord Almighty who wrote this Bible that we share the same Holy Spirit. Are you depending on the power of the spirits? What's your personal convictions? Do people know about you like they knew about Jesus? And if they do, what do they know about you? Because just because they know about you, what do they actually know about you? The scripture states that people praise them as well. No, 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 it doesn't actually. What does the scripture say? Come on, bro. Everyone. It didn't say just some people praised him in the... No, no. Everyone praised him. Everyone. What does that highlight? Are you able to win all types of people? Wow. He won the intellectual. Wow. He won, he won the rational. Wow. He won the skeptics. Wow. Just because he, he, he depended on the power of the spirit. He depended... On the power mm-hmm. of the spirit. Are you able to win other nations? As a campus ministry, are we able to win <coughs> other nations? Are we able to win other nations? Because the campus ministry, we need nations. Yes. Yep. We need nations. Mm-hmm. We need nations. Yep. We need nations. Amen. We need nations. Yes. Now, there's nothing wrong with specific nations. No. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of melanin. Yeah. You know, I'm getting married to one. Yeah. 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 
issue. I have no issue. Because if we look at it, Levard reached out to Kane. Steph reached out to Johnny. Jane reached out to Christina. Sarah reached out to Carmen. Josh reached out to Callum. Fuller reached out to Anchor. And I reached out to Josh. A different nation, yeah, man. It's not my nation. What's the bottom line? We can't be one-trick ponies. What's a one-trick pony? A personal thing with only one special feature, talent or area of expertise. Now, what are you known for? Some disciples may be known for numbing out rather than pouring out in prayer. Let me, say that. Let me just say that again. Some disciples may be known for numbing out rather than pouring out in prayer. And numbing out can take all forms. Sleep. Eating. Netflix. 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 Overthinking. Gaming. This is something I went to my whole entire life. You know, I'm preaching this from a place of humility. I gamed from 8 a.m. to 5 a.m. the next morning. This is before I became a disciple, amen. Novella would not want to marry someone who's just on the game right there. You know, some disciples may be known for their quiet reservations more than their quiet times. Some disciples may be known for their sin rather than the souls they're trying to win. Some disciples may be known for talking a lot but not producing a lot. Who are you today? Because just like Jesus, we got to get loud. We got to get loud. We got to depend on the power of the Spirit. We got to make some noise. We don't have that chance for no reason. We do that to make some noise. Yeah, make some noise to your doubts. Yeah, you say we're the salt of the earth. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm salt to the earth. Yeah. Yeah, and you do realize it's not about being oh, I'm salty. No, no. The scripture, the salt in the Bible is completely different. Yeah. Salt was actually used to pay soldiers. Yeah. So what does that highlight? It's always used to pervert, pre- 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 preserve. Yeah. Right? Salt was different in the Bible. Yeah. People waged wars over salt. Yeah. So what does that highlight? When we say we're the salt of the earth, salt is valuable. Yeah. So when you say we're the salt of the earth, you're saying I'm valuable. Yeah. You're saying, I'm, I have value. Yeah. We don't just say I'm the salt of the earth. We don't just say we're the salt of the earth. You're saying I'm valuable. Yeah. I'm loved. Yeah. I'm renewed, yeah. sisters. Yeah. God make noise. God make noise above your thoughts, above your doubts. Just never quit. Yeah. Never quit getting out against your thoughts. Never quit. Yeah. Your thought, because it is said that 80% of our thoughts are negative. Yeah. Satan's, this is Satan's playing field right now. This is it. But when you decide, we'll get into it in a bit. We'll get a bit scientific later on, right? But the point is, is that you can decide to tell you, you can convince yourself that you are valuable. Why? Not because you're trying to tell yourself a lie, but because the Bible says you are. The Bible says you remember. God says this to you. Don't get your validation from anything else. Get it from the Bible. Get it from the one who made you. Not, 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 not from, not, not for some relationship, man, woman, internet, what people say. No, no. From the very words of God. 
We've got to get loud against our sin. Amen. We've got to get loud against our laziness. Yes. Laziness. The campus ministry is known for laziness. Yes. We're changing the narrative. Yes. Just never quit. Yes. We've got to get loud about who we are. We are a disciple of Christ. Amen. We are a disciple of Christ. One of the most encouraging things, I read this book by David Goggins, one of the most things is personal word affirmations. Stick post-it notes about who God says you are right. and attach a scripture. Say yourself in the mirror, I am a champion. Yeah. I am a champion. I will never quit. I am a winner. Yeah. I will never fail yeah. because God is with me. Yeah. You've got to tell yourself yeah. these things. You can imagine Jesus had to pray. He had to pray. Because technically he's praying to God, but he was telling himself. He's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I was there before time. Like, yes, yes, yes I, I, I am the son of God. Yeah. I am the son of God. I know who I am. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Verse 15. He was teaching in the synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So Jesus went to the synagogue. And what was the synagogue? The synagogue, of course, when the temple was destroyed, the synagogue was built to to basically face where the temple was built in Jerusalem to remind people that there was a temple. That's where God dwelt before. And so he went to the place of worship. And he said he made it his what? His custom. custom. What's the meaning of custom? It means habit. Jesus made it his habit to worship God. He made worship his habit. He made, habit his wor- he made the worship his habit and to worship with God's people together. He went to the synagogue. He went to the place where people were worshiping together. Mm. What does this highlight? Mm. Habits are made. Mm. Because it says, he said, it says, as was his custom. It, remember, his personal convictions. Yeah. Yeah. He said, this is my custom. Yeah. I'm sold out to the kingdom. Mm. I'm sold out to the, to, to the word of God, to my quiet times. Mm. What would your habits say about you? What would they say about you? Because it is said that 43% of our daily behaviors are a result of our habits. So literally, nearly half of what you do every single day is a result of your habits. So if you get up late, if that's part of your habits, you're always going to get up late. If being late is part of your habit, you're always going to be late. 40% of long-term habits, goals, are given up within the first three weeks. What does that sound like? First, like, it sounds like the new year, New Year's resolution. I'm gonna go to the gym! Out. And it's packed out. You can't use your equipment. And then, then they disappear in February. Like, oh, they give up in the first three weeks. Like, I'll be back. In, I'll be back in February. I'll be back. I'm gonna go have a hangover. And then I'm gonna go get a hangover. And that which hangs over. Our habits are based on our lives are based on our habits. But the good news is you can change your habits. On the, with the power of the Spirit. With the power of the Spirit. It's not above our will. I wasn't like this when I first came into the kingdom. Yeah, some people know, amen, I'm not going to go into detail with that. But you know, some, yeah, I wasn't like this when I came into The kingdom gives you things you've never had before. You never had before. Gives you character. Gives you character. I mean, I know for me, it made me dress better. I'm not going to get into... Uh, yes. I'm not gonna get into it. Changed my hairstyle. I don't know what that was. But amen. But our, 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 habit, our lives are based on our habits. Turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 2. I mean 12, rather. Our lives are based on our habits. Romans chapter 12. 
says this in verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And the campus say, the scripture says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. The word do not conform in the Greek, the root word, habits. So when it says do not conform to the pattern, do not conform in the Greek means habits. Everyone lives based on a habit or a pattern, whether it be a sinful pattern or a worldly pattern. And Jesus made his worship a habit. Jesus, because remember, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. So he made going to church his habit. He wouldn't miss meetings of the body. He made every single meeting. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Never late. Always with a smile. Mm-hmm. Come on. Jesus made churches have it. He never missed church. What do your habits say about you? What do your habits say about you? What do your habits say about you? And that's why I love the campus ministry. I love when the campus ministry is together. Come on. It's, all, it's, it's literally family time all the time. Yeah. And campus is fun, right? Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. When you're not getting a scathing rebuke, but it's fun. <laughs> but what we do on a daily basis exposes who we are. So if complacency is your habit, that's who you are. If criticism is your habit, that's who you are. If insecurity is your habit, it's who you are. But then the Bible, I love the Bible. Proverbs 23 verse 7, KJV. So a man thinketh, so he is. So if you, again, who you are starts from your thoughts. Again, Satan's mind playing field, but you can change it. We'll go into it in a second. But as campus, we're called not to follow the habits of other people in the world. We live in a generation of quitters. Where people would rather numb out yeah, rather than being sold out. Yeah. It is said that an average, on average, one in, two, what, one in ten UK undergraduates will drop out of university before their second year of study. One in ten students in the UK alone. According to a study, one in ten students. And we just said 35,000 students go to the University of Birmingham. One, one in ten students will drop out. We live a generation of quitters. People will quit because they've made it accustomed to quit. They've made it their habit. They've made it accustomed to give up, to wake up late, to be lazy. Yet the Bible says as disciples, we're called not to follow the habits of the world. The world says quit. The Bible says don't quit. Never quit. We're called not to follow the habits of the world. You know, we were all worldly once. Yet we're called to change our habits. Yet trying to change your habits is actually the fruit. If you really want to change, you must change your identity first. Why? In neurology, you have something called cognitive dissonance. Dissonance is when your belief, when your beliefs are not in harmony with your action. So you feel discomfort, physical discomfort. Your brain makes your body tense up the muscles. It releases something called cortisol. It's called, it's a stress hormone, right? Increasing anxiety, right? and then you get a physical reaction to cognitive dissonance, right? And our brain doesn't like dissonance. It doesn't like it when our beliefs are out of harmony with our actions. So that's why you feel insecure when you're not integral. That's why when you come late to lectures, come late to church, everyone's singing. But to remove this discomfort, we either force to change our beliefs or our actions. It's one of the two. 
And our biggest source of our beliefs comes from our identity. So if a person believes that being lazy is bad, but yet they choose to be lazy, they'll have incredible amounts of dissonance. Incredible amounts. They'll feel really uncomfortable, even physically uncomfortable. That's why they just numb out, just stay in the same place. Because if they, if they believe, if they believe that they, I'm lazy and they decide to be lazy, you don't want to stop being lazy. And they're forced to either, again, change their behavior or their beliefs. You know, our brain is constantly trying to adjust our beliefs or our behavior to avoid this dissonance, right? And it works in the negative as well. So if you believe that you're a prideful person, in order to avoid dissonance, your brain will actually av- like avoid being humble. Yeah. Wow. Literally. That's basically, you'll never be selfless. You could try to be humble, but your brain is going to be opposing you. To avoid dissonance, our identity has to force behavior modification. It works anything for your life. Your brain is constantly looking for harmony for a pattern to follow. You know, we live in a time where people say, oh, yeah, yeah, Joseph, you've been okay about calling to dissonance. Okay, it's easier said than done. Yeah, that's satanic. That's satanic. Because if we believe it's easier to say it than do it, your brain will actively resist you doing it. That's so true. If we believe it's difficult to change, our brain will make it difficult to change. Right. If we believe that we're incapable of not changing, our brain will make it impossible for us not to change. If we believe it's easier to give up, our brain will make it difficult to change. However, when we believe to never give up, let me say that again, when we believe to change our beliefs, when we believe to never give up, our brain will also make it difficult to change. Because you decide in your brain, you've changed your belief. So you force your brain to build the custom to never give up. Because just like the way you're like, I'm lazy, okay, I'm, I'll, I'll never change. No, no, no. When you actively tell you, I'm never going to give up, mm. you convince your brain you're never going to give up. Wow. So you'll never give up. Yes. You'll make things your custom. Yes. You'll never quit. Yes. So, again, when we believe that forgiveness is the key to trust, Come on. our brain will make that difficult to change. Mm. So when you forgive, 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 you will trust you will trust easy. You will trust because you've literally forced your brain to believe something that you've changed your identity. You're no longer the victim of your past, but you're you're, you're standing victor of who you are right now. Because imagine, just imagine, just imagine Jesus like standing victim of his past. Oh man. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, he can relate to everything that we felt. He could have been like, oh man, I wish I sinned. Because he still was fully human. Yeah. He was tempted. He was tempted. Oh man, just one bite. Oh man, world evangelism without the cross. Oh, I don't have to go to the cross. He was tempted. He was tempted. But he convinced himself, I am the son of God. The Bible says we need to change the pattern of our minds. Not the habits of this world. Not to follow the world's pattern or Satan's pattern. How do we know the world's pattern is Satan's pattern? He's the prince of this world. Revelation 12 verse 9 says, He's on earth leading the whole world astray. Wow. That's why when angel, angels on earth, if you see angels on earth, they're no longer angels right now. Fallen angels, they're demons. Mm. So when people say, I've seen an angel, no, 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 the Bible says, let me look, okay, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 4, Satan masquerades himself as an angel. And even, not my angel. But even we see it in the Bible, 
You had Cornelius. Acts chapter 10. He saw an angel. But wasn't saved. Just because you haven't had a religious experience doesn't mean you're saved. Doesn't mean you're saved. You know, music is the only thing that uses your whole brain. Just because they're playing the chords right in the church and you're like, amen, hallelujah. Doesn't mean you're saved. It doesn't mean you're saved. It doesn't mean you're saved. It's the only thing that uses your entire brain. So that's why you feel that type of way. Because it literally takes control of you. That's why some people can worship music. Some people can worship. That's why people just sometimes they go to church and they only go for the music. That's why they're like, I don't like this music. There's no instruments. I don't like it. The harmony is not in line. But we're here to aim for excellence, not perfection. We only get perfect when we get to heaven. But to follow the new godly pattern, it comes from following the word of God, readily and applying it to our lives. We are making conscious choices that are going to force the new pattern, these neural pathways in our brain that are going to change us. Discipling. Discipling is there to tell us what we need to change in our life and how. So when you refuse the discipling that you've been given by God, by the authority he set, then you're actively opposed to saying, I'm, I'm quitting. Because the Bible says in Matthew 28 verse 18, Jesus has authority of heaven and earth. So whoever leads you, and even whoever leads this country, God has put that person into authority. How you respond to authority is how you respond to Jesus' choice. It's not about who God chose in, 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 in the world. How about, why did God choose you? Oh, this, this prime minister, this president, I have an issue. Yeah, there's a reason why he didn't choose, yeah, I mean, he chose you to be a disciple, but there's a reason why he didn't choose you to lead the country. We've got to follow God's pattern. Not the world's pattern. Jesus made it his identity, his belief, his habit, his custom to worship. What about you? Is worship your habit? Is worship your habit? Are you going to worship away your doubts? You're going to worship. You're so worshipful, you forget your issues. Like, man, everything changes. Because when you see your life through the gospel, everything changes. Yes. And the scripture goes on to say in verse 16, he stood up to read. Well, let's, let's go back to Luke chapter 14. Yeah. I mean, Luke chapter 4. Yeah. Getting carried away right there. Yeah. Luke chapter 4. As you know, we're studying the book of Luke. Yes, sir. Luke chapter 4. Hope you guys are still studying it out. Haven't fallen away on me. You never, you never quit on me. No. Some people fall out they've quit on me. No, no, Amen. Amen. Verse 16. He stood up to read. And that's how you did it back then. You would stand up to read. That's why you can see why I'm standing. Amen. Come on, bro. And oftentimes back then, a topic was picked out already. And they would invite these young rabbis to come. Jesus was kind of like, you know, an invited speaker. You know, and Jesus didn't come up and say, I'm about to do Isaiah. No, they already planned Isaiah. Right? And so Jesus just showed up because they would bring all of these preachers that would speak. Right? These rabbis. And Jesus just walks in. He just shows up. Right? And it just so happens that the scripture, that the one that he was about to read... That day, it says this in verse 17. It says, and the Bible says, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me 
because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know what's powerful? Yeah. Is that Isaiah, do you know the one he's speaking about? It's actually about the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. And in this prophecy, the, the, the Messiah basically announced himself. Mm. And remember, Jesus didn't choose this passage. He didn't choose this passage. It was already chosen. But imagine coming as a visiting rabbi to preach and the prophecy is about yourself. <laughs> because in verse 20 says, Then he wrote the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Essentially saying that this scripture is being fulfilled as we speak. That even after he finished reading, when he sat down, after finished reading, he started to explain that he's essentially saying, right now, as we speak, these scriptures are being fulfilled in your hearing. How cracking is that? That you read a scripture and you see it literally in person. You're like, whoa. Wow. You see Matthew 28. Whoa. whoa. Elijah got baptized. Whoa. Hope got baptized. Whoa. whoa. Matthew 28. That gives you faith. Yeah. And they saw the Messiah. Do we see our life in the scriptures? Mm. We're like, whoa. That's me. <laughs> I'm that guy on the mat laying on for 38 years, not wanting to change. <laughs> I'm that guy with the impure spirits with 6,000 demons in him. That's me. Or you're, oh, you're like, oh, no, that's not me. I'm clearly like Jesus. Clearly. Or you're like the sinner. You're like the sinner. You're like, you're like, you're like, you're, you're like the woman who wiped her hair and put all the perfume on Jesus' feet. And you saw Simon the Pharisee was like, oh, hey, how come she's washing the feet? He, she was more humble than, than, than Simon the Pharisee. In Luke chapter 8, we're going to cover that in a few weeks. Mm. But that's so powerful. That's so powerful that a self-righteous man was being outweighed by a righteous woman who lowered herself. And she poured expensive perfume. She was like, I'm giving everything for the kingdom. I'm giving everything for the kingdom. Because this scripture is talking about the Messiah in Luke chapter 4. But since we're imitating our Lord, because of course he's the anointed one, we're called by God. We're, we're appointed by God Amen. to do the same things. Mm. To do what? What did he say? Right? It says, to preach the gospel to the poor. Why to the poor? Sin impoverishes and the Messiah brings good news to the poor. So what does this highlight? To preach the gospel to those who don't have much. Yeah. So our duty is to preach to the poor. They don't have much. Mm. And that sounds exactly like campus ministry. <laughs> also, to preach the gospel to those who don't have much, Right? And so, what else is there? It's to preach to the brokenhearted. Mm. We got, the scripture says that Jesus was sent to preach to the brokenhearted, mm. to heal those who are broken in life. Mm. To, proclaim liber- to proclaim liberty to the captives, mm. to set those free who are held captive to drinking, mm. who are held captive to smoking, uh-huh. to alcohol, mm. to drugs, mm. to clubbing, mm. to pornography. Mm. And also says to give recovery of sight to the blind to help students gain vision again. What we're doing is restoring people vision. Vision. The Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish. So if you have no vision for your life, you know you ask so many students, what do you want to do after university? Uh, I don't know. Where there's no vision, the people 
they decide to quit on their life. Why did you study a three-year degree just to quit? We're here to help people gain vision again. To help students that a night out isn't like uh, that, that having a night out isn't isn't there to solve their issue. It's not it's, just, it's not going to solve your issue. We're here to to help restore people's vision. To help students know what it means to live a good moral life according to the Bible. That Buddhist teachings won't teach you this. Because what does Buddha believe? He believes no suffering, no problems. Wow. They don't believe in sin. So they can sin as much as they want. They don't believe in heaven and hell. When 1 Peter 3 verse 18 to 21, right? We go on smoking and drinking with a clear, with a clear conscience. But the Bible says you can only get baptized with a clear conscience. But they don't have that clear conscience because they believe in heaven and hell. Like I can sin as much as I want. That's why you see all these celebrities. They all believe in Buddhism. Because they're like, man, I have no, there's no threshold of sin. I can do as much sin as I want to. That's because they don't have God. That's made it hard. And of course it says, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. To set people free from sin. That's our job on campus. To set people free. Set people free. Set people free. Jesus here quotes Isaiah 61 verse 1 to 12. But what Jesus leaves, leaves out that most people don't catch because it proclaims the year of our Lord's favor, he leaves out to proclaim the day of vengeance of our Lord. He leaves that out. If you read the whole scripture in Isaiah 61 verse 1 to 12, it doesn't just say that it's, the, it's here for the Lord's favor, right? That he was here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which is, of course, the year where you go back uh, to renewing your life. He leaves out the day of vengeance. Why? Because Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. Jesus came to save the world, to save all nations. Verse 23, right? Verse 23, it says, Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. So when, when Jesus announced that he was the Messiah, what does this highlight? They were basically saying, Hey, show us a sign. Show us a sign that you're the Messiah. Yeah. I heard that you, that you did something in Capernaum. What does this highlight? He was referring to his Judean ministry in, in the book of John. Because the book of John covers that Judean ministry. He didn't actually start his ministry here. He started in the south. Galilee was in the north. So he started his, his ministry in the south with miracles. He was like, wait, wait, wait. I heard you did miracles. Show us a sign that you're the Messiah. Mm. Prove yourself. Show us evidence that you're the Messiah. That you're the Messiah. But then he says in verse 24, truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet, except, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Yep. Verse 25, I saw you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and yet there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet no one, not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Assyrian. So what does this highlight here? Of course, he's speaking to the Jewish people, right? But what does this refer to? In the Old Testament, Elijah was sent to a Gentile area, right? And that's where he is right now. Like, of course, he's been sent, uh, he's been sent uh, to Galilee, right? But he wasn't just sent, of course, Elijah wasn't just sent to a Gentile area. He was sent to a, a, a Gentile, right? A Gentile person. And there were many kinds, of course, uh, in the scripture, it talks about Israel being in leprosy. Leprosy basically in the Old Testament signifies sin. So what does it highlight? That religiosity is sin. Yes. So the most religious people who know about God, 
they were they had leprosy. But the only person in the Old Testament to be healed was a Gentile. And people and, and the religious person, the religious people looked down on the Gentiles. They were looking they were looking down at other nations being saved. But only naming the Assyrian, who was a Gentile, was the only one to be healed from his leprosy, from his sin. He was the only one. He was the only one. He was the only one. And in the Old Testament, what we see is that from the very beginning, God values all nations. But let's find out what the guys in the synagogue felt about that. All the people in the synagogue were fired up when they heard this, right? Oh. That they could be saved too, right? No. That they could be cured of their leprosy, right? Because what's leprosy? What's lepro- leprosy is like, it's, it's an affection that kills, your whole, that kills your nerve endings. So you stop feeling, you numb out. You numb out. So literally Israel was numb to their sin. They were like, I'm so self-righteous. I'm, I'm a disciple now, so I must be never in sin. So I'm, I'm clearly perfect now. No. That, that shows that you've got spiritual leprosy. But how did they respond? Verse 28. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town. So they took some time to take this guy out. Took him to the brow of the hill of which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. This is like this sermon. This is like you guys reacted to my preaching. I'm like, oh, no, I'm taking this guy away. But this was the response. This was the response to his sermon. For reading a prophecy about himself. About himself. His preaching produced persecution. They were angry to be told that something was wrong with them. That their request for a miracle was denied. And that Jesus implied that God also loved the Gentiles whom were looked down upon by the Jews. They're like, oh, I don't see any evidence that you're the Messiah. Oh, you you want to save one? They were racist in their heart. They're like, I don't see other nations being saved. I don't see other nations being saved. Yet, Jesus didn't seek to please his audience. And he didn't use their approval as a measure of his success. Because they got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill, which the town was built, in order to throw him off the cliff. And you know, pushing someone off a cliff was often the first step in the process of stoning. So once a victim fell down, they would get rocks and throw rocks on the person while while they were, like, broken on the rock. So they would basically suffer a life. So stoning is not just throwing stones. It's taking someone to a cliff, dropping them, and continue to throw stones. Drop boulders on them. So what do we highlight here? Jesus had death threats at the beginning of his ministry. His preaching produced death threats. And Luke set the tone for the whole story of Jesus' life here in Luke 4. Jesus came, sinless, doing nothing but good for all, yet they wanted to kill him. You know, you may give your heart to people, pour out your heart and soul for people, travel miles for people, give up everything for people to be saved, be it have everything thrown back at you. And even here, Jesus got it from his own people, the people that he was going to die for, the people he was going to die for, the only, only God, like the only one true God who came down and by his own, rejected by his own, trying to be stoned by his own people. The word of God literally divided people. Because again, this wasn't everyone. Some believed in Jesus and responded differently compared to these ones. But when we're called out of our sin, how do we respond? Like these guys in the synagogue? How about this? Do we call one another out of sin? When someone someone has an issue with another disciple, do you call them out? Hey, why are you telling me? This is gossip. Go to your disciple. 
or go talk to the person? Or do you have to wait for it to get to the leadership and then you can address it? No, Matthew 18, you've got to address it personally with scripture. Don't say, bro, you hurt me. I think what you did was, was very hurtful. Bro, I think what you did was very painful. Very painful. Amen. But you're just coming to me with the issues. Scripture, use scripture. Use scripture. Use scripture. Because sometimes it's like, why not be wronged? Yeah. It says, do, do your best to keep at peace with everyone. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm always in the wrong. You know, whenever it comes to like, you know, obviously if I want to fire my wife up, I'm like, man, I feel like I'm always in the wrong. Mm-hmm. But amen, you know, happy wife, happy life. Amen. amen. <laughs> so sometimes I'm like... But do we see, do, what's the bottom line? Do we see ourselves in scripture? Come on, bro. Yeah. People leave God because they don't want to be like Jesus. Or they want to throw him off a cliff. But despite this being the case, how did Jesus respond? Verse 30. We'll bring it in for a close. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. They wanted a miracle. And Jesus did an unexpected one right in front of them. He escaped miraculously. How in the world was he being ushered out by so many people, but yet walked right through? That's a miracle in itself. Like in this situation, Jesus could have backed off the cliff and been rescued by angels. He could have shown them the sign right there. As Satan suggested in the third temptation back in verses 9 to 12. Instead, Jesus chose a more, no, a, a more normal miracle. If there's such a thing. Like a second Samson, his own arm saved him. This might have convinced his adversaries, but that they were mad with malice. So he just walked right through. He's like, hey, I'm just, just going to walk. It doesn't take much for a miracle to happen in your life. It doesn't take a sign. It doesn't take much to get the campus ministry going. It doesn't take much to get campus students saved. Like we learned last week, Jesus, despite his divine nature, used the same tools that we have access to, to overcome temptation. Scriptures and the Holy Spirit. So we can use the same tools for a miracle. What did he do? He just preached the word. He just preached the word. The Bible says in Matthew 26, he was in the temple courts. He was on campus every day. And didn't arrest him the night before his crucifixion. So what does this mean? We need to be on campus every day. Every day. Every day. Not the same. No, every single person. Every person. Whether it's not your, if it's not your, someone else's campus. Every day. This no guest narrative has to change. Mm. Campus divas aren't for campus. It's for guests. Okay, so we really sound on that point. <laughs> but this is the thing. They didn't arrest him when he was in the temple courts every single day. When he was on campus every single day, mm. he was untouchable. He was untouchable on campus. Mm. With God, we are untouchable. Yes. We close out here, Galatians 6 verse 9. Mm-hmm. Never quit. Galatians 6. In verse 9. It says... Let us not become weary in doing good. 
For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Just like discipline. Mm -hmm. Produce a harvest if we don't give up. It says, let us not become weary. Let's read that scripture. It says, let us not become. So you can become weary. You don't start out like that. In the NSB version, it says, let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. The meaning of do not lose heart in the Greek means to be utterly spiritless, to be wearied out, to be exhausted. So you don't, you're not naturally exhausted. There's no such thing as I'm tired. You become tired. That's because you become tired. When you say I'm tired, you basically say I've lost heart. I've quit. So we've got to usher out something in the, in the campus ministry. There's no such thing as I'm tired. Because you're basically saying I'm, qu- I'm quitting. But remember, you can change your mind. You can change your mind and say I'm never going to quit. Never going to quit. Never going to quit. You get tired when you lose heart for what you do. But the message version says, so let's not allow ourselves. So you will allow yourself to quit. You allow yourself when you don't put up a fight. You give yourself permission. The meaning of permission means the act of permitting, to consent, to expressly or formally permit access to records, or to, uh, to give leave, or to make possible. So to give permission is to make possible. To give permission is to make possible. So you give yourself permission to be discouraged, to become weary. However, see, see it from the perspective that anything is possible when you give yourself the permission to do anything. Again, To give permission is to also give opportunity. Why? Because the meaning of permission means to give an opportunity. But it says, don't... It says, so let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued while doing good. This is the message version. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. So doing good will get tiring. Like, man, do I always have to do quiet? Yes. Do I always have to share? Yes. But you grow weary. You grow weary. That's why you've got to change locations. Change the equation of quiet times. Have your quiet times with people. You saw Jesus. He made his custom to worship together. Worship together with disciples. Don't say I'm over my own prayer because I want to hide my interest from the person I'm praying with. But let me just pray with our disciples. Amen, don't mention praise and I mean, interest in in prayers because it shows your focus is off. But the condition is if you don't give up, then you produce a harvest. Mm. What will happen if you give up? You won't produce a harvest. Mm. But when you don't give up, you will produce a harvest. So the challenge is simple. Open our mouths. Jesus just preached. And it caused him to nearly get thrown off a cliff. But the scripture says, we saw it in Matthew 26, he said, every day I was in the temple courts and you didn't arrest me. So why don't we have that same belief? This is Jesus in the power of the Spirit. Every day we preach in the Word. Who cares if you get kicked off? You're in the power of the Spirit. You're untouchable. You're untouchable. You're untouchable. Jesus was full of scriptures. So the challenge is simple. Open your mouth. And, and, and the sub, the sub particle, uh, practical, get a guest to Campus Divine. Every single week. Amen. One guest. One guest. And if you're thinking, I can't do it, change that. You've got a cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Change your mindset. 
If you tell yourself, I'll get a guest, your brain will literally stop you not believing that you can't get one. So a man thinketh, so he is. Never, 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 never quit. I love you. It's a copy of the movie.